0: Hey, it's Adam the Bull, and this is the Bullpen, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Get extra value this football season with Bet Rivers Squares. Win up to $10,000 in bonus money. $10,000 sounds pretty good to me. Bet $10 in same-game parlays on any game with the Squares icon to earn yourself a square. Coming up on today's Bullpen, I got a lot to get to. The rules to winning in fantasy football a tight end sets the market for contracts and some big waiver wire news from major league baseball, that and a whole lot more on today's edition of the bullpen with Adam, the bull brought to you by bet rivers. You're in the bullpen with Adam, the bull on the bet rivers network. So I'm sure some of you have already had your fantasy drafts, but if you're like me, and you want, you know, you 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 run a league or uh, you're in a really good league. And a lot of people wait till the last week. You wait till after the preseason is over, which it is now. Because you don't want to take a chance of drafting and then your guy gets hurt in the preseason, right? So, I know for me, I have four fantasy drafts coming up over the next uh, six days. And I'm sure a lot of you have the same, depending on how many leagues you're in. So... What I don't want to do here when I talk fantasy football is tell you, well, with the first pick, you should take X because, you know, listen, everybody knows, unless you're a complete novice, everybody knows who's at the top of the draft board. But there are some rules that I have learned playing fantasy football for about 30 years that I think can be very helpful. And I'm not saying I always win. Listen, some of it's luck of the draw. If you if you listen to, to fantasy football experts, and I, I do have respect for people that talk fantasy football and nothing but fantasy football for a living, I love it. Um, you know, there's some guys that really know what they're talking about, some guys that, but ultimately, like being a GM of, a, of an NFL team, there's a do- big dose of luck when it comes to, to all this. Health, uh, a guy translating to a new system. Uh, it, from a perfect, you know, from a uh, NFL GM standpoint, just a guy's uh, uh, his want to, right? You know, you never know that, especially with young players. But anyway, as as a fantasy GM, here are some of the keys to success. Number one, this this may sound basic, but it's really important, and I think some people go into fantasy drafts not knowing this. Believe it or not, it, it, it's going to sound stupid to some people. But the most important thing when you go into a fantasy draft is know the freaking rules. Know the rules. See, when many of us first started playing fantasy football 30 years ago, there wasn't a lot of uh, disparity in in the rules to fantasy football. Everybody kind of played the same way. You'd have one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, uh, you know, a kicker and a defense and a tight end. And that was basically it. Uh, initially, there was no PPR, which for those who don't know what that means, means points per reception. Maybe you had one flex spot. Maybe. I don't think a lot of leagues did when, when we all first started doing this. Not all, but, you know, some of you may be 22 and saying 30 years ago, I wasn't even bored. But now there's so much variety. There's so many different rules. You, I, I mean, some of the key things you need to know, A, the, the most important thing you need to know is, well, two things. One, is it a one-quarterback league or a super flex league? Superflex essentially means two quarterbacks. The reason it's called a super flex is because uh, technically you don't have to start a second quarterback. And if you're in a 12-or-more team league, it can be tricky. There might be a week where you just don't have a second quarterback for whatever reason, so you can start another running back wide receiver tight end in that spot. But if you want to win, you need two quarterbacks every week. So you 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 want to be in a – if it's a two-quarterback league, that's – you got to know that. And the second thing you got to know is, is it a PPR or a standard league? Standard league, you don't get points for a reception. A PPR league, you get points for reception. That makes a huge difference in how you're valuing players. But it's not – those are the two key ones because there's a lot of leagues that have those things and a lot of leagues that don't. But there are other rules that are important to know. um including some leagues now are starting to give more points per reception for a tight end. Like you get one and a half points for a reception by a tight end, or even two points. There's one league I'm in where you get two points per reception for a tight end. That makes a big difference. Travis Kelsey, who's already valuable, his value shoots up even more. Number two, avoid bad offenses. This may sound basic. But it's not. If you're thinking, you know, when you especially wide receivers, every year there's, there there come some some wide receivers on bad teams, and people think, well, this guy's good enough; he could overcome. Well, there are some guys who can. There are some guys, you know, that that can have a great season even with a bad quarterback. Garrett Wilson did that. He had a really good season last year with the Jets with bad quarterback play. But that's hard to do, and only special players can do that. Once you get to the nitty-gritty of the draft and you're past the first, you know, 18, 20 wide receivers and you're looking for that wide receiver two or wide receiver three or flex guy, think about the offense that team plays on and think about the quarterback that is throwing him the ball, especially if it's changed from the past year, right? For example... Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, who have been excellent receivers for a long time, you've got to put them lower on your list than you've had in the past. Because this year they have Baker Mayfield throwing them the ball and not Tom Brady. If you've got a – a if you're thinking about taking Terry McLaurin, who's a very talented receiver, but not elite, very good I don't think he overcomes a bad quarterback situation. Now, maybe Sam Howell turns out to be good, but I, I don't think so. So I want to avoid especially wide receivers on teams with bad quarterbacks. Um another thing, and and then if you're in that same vein, running backs to certain degree. Now, if you have a if you're talking about a running back that's not a big time pass catcher, I want nothing to do with that guy if, I'm, if it's a bad offense because if I'm playing from behind a lot, if, that, if I think that team's going to play from behind a lot, then that guy's going to be off the field. So be careful with that. Number three, know the room. When I say know the room, if possible, now listen, if you do a draft online with a bunch of strangers, you can't know the room. But if you're drafting with the same guys every year or mostly the same guys, it's your buddies. Know the room. Know the tendencies of the guys you're drafting with, right? I keep a little. I, this is really high level nerd stuff, but I keep a little chart of the tendencies of some of the guys in my league because I have a couple leagues I've been drafting with mostly the same guys. Not every single guy, but mostly the same guys for 30 years. Guys I've known since we were in our 20s, and now we're in our 50s. So I know the tendencies that they probably know. I don't. I I feel like I don't have any tendencies. Because I leave my fandom out of it. And that's, that's number four, by the way, part of this. Leave your fandom at the door. Don't let a player... Look, I'm a Bengals fan, as many of you know. I love Joe Burrow. Love him. I don't think I've ever had him on a fantasy team. Not that I purposely avoided him. Just that I I haven't, you know, reached ahead to, to get him. I haven't taken him higher than he should be. <clears throat> I have one league that's a, a a super flex league. I'm drafting tomorrow night. Um, I have the first overall pick. I'm not going to take Joe Burrow. I love Joe Burrow. But Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback, so I'm taking Patrick Mahomes in the super flex league. In the super flex league, taking a quarterback first overall makes a lot of sense, but you got to know the room. Again, I'm in another super flex league. With guys, the, the draft I have tomorrow night is a lot of newer guys to fantasy. So the quarterbacks go real quick. So if you pick it first overall, you got to take a quarterback in a super flex league. I'm in another league with a bunch of veteran players that even though it's super flex, the quarterbacks don't go as quickly. You got to know that going in if you can. Knowing the room, very important. So I gave you three and four there. Number five, don't get caught up in rookies. I'm not saying avoid rookies. I'm saying if if a rookie, people are excited about the unknown, right? Bijan Robinson is a lot more exciting than Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, and maybe he's going to be a better fantasy player than all those guys. There's reasons not to like Saquon Barkley this year. There's reasons not to like Derrick Henry this year, even Nick Chubb potentially. But I, I have a safe bet on those guys. I know what they're going to do. Now, it's possible one or some of those guys go off a cliff this year, especially Henry, but I, I think it's pretty steady what they're going to do. I don't know about the Falcons. I know they don't have a quarterback I like. I know they got two other running backs there, including Tyler Algier, who had a nice year last year. I know they spent a lot of high draft capital on B. John Robinson, but I, I- we don't know exactly what his role is. I, I know what Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, and Derrick Henry's roles are. That I know for sure. So be careful. I'm not saying don't take B. John Robinson. I'm just saying I, I wouldn't be so certain he's a better pick than those other three guys. And when you get beyond that, then you really need to be careful. However, at at some point, I would say once you get once you get uh I would say five running backs or wide receivers. Then go crazy with the young players at that point. Round seven, round eight. Once we get to that point in the draft, then I feel the opposite. Then I'm aggressive on the rookies, and I'd rather leave those middling wide receiver running backs on the board. Then you take the guy with upside. But in the first round especially, I'd be careful. Don't reach on a tight end. That's number, number six. Don't reach on a tight end. Travis Kelsey's worth everything, but none of the other tight ends are. I feel like sometimes Travis Kelsey go real high, and then people end up reaching on Mark Andrews or TJ Hawkinson or Darren Waller or George Kittle. Those guys are not worth it. Waller never stays healthy. Kittle never stays healthy. You know, Andrews, you're in an offense that's a run. I know they're supposedly going to do it differently this year. I'll believe it when I see it. Lamar Jackson's a running quarterback. They run the ball. And Hawkinson, I like him, but you know, for what I, I, I he's not worth the the juice is not worth the squeeze on him. He's a good player, but the top tight ends always go too high. There is good value later in the tight end room, whether it's Pat Fryermuth or Evan Engram or David Njoku, or even Dalton Kincaid. I'm usually very. I just talked about rookies. And I'm very hesitant because rookie tight ends almost never make an impact. But I think if you're if you're waiting on tight end, and you're at the you know if eight nine ten tight ends are off the board, I think Dalton Kincaid can make some sense, and could could be a surprise at that position. These are the things you got to do. Um, one other thing I'd say, number what are we up to? Number seven. I can't keep track of how many rules I have here. Let somebody else be aggressive with a bad situation. And when I talk about that, I talk about Jonathan Taylor. If I were you, I'd avoid Jonathan Taylor like the plague in my draft. Uh, I know at some point there becomes, whether it's, I don't know, round five, round six, round seven, we're like, well, I take... who knows what's going to happen with this guy? That's it. He, he, had a, he was banged up last year. He's banged up now. It's a bad quarterback situation because it's a rookie quarterback who's raw and needs a lot of learning. He's going to run himself a lot. They're going to be down a lot. I, I would avoid Jonathan Taylor. I would not draft him anywhere. I'd also be very careful of Alvin Kamara because remember, you're, gonna, you're not going to have him for the first three weeks. Uh, in terms of running back share situations, which is the case on many teams, I would lean towards the guy who catches passes. If you're, if you're looking at it, te- now some teams you don't know. Like, I don't know what the split's going to be with the Jets, Brees Hall, and Dalvin Cook. I'm not sure about that. I got Brees Hall ranked higher on my list right now. I'm not sure what the timeshare is going to be there. Um, But... in the the, the timeshares like an Isaiah Pacheco and a Jarek McKinnon when I'm picking later, I kind of like leaning towards the guys that are going to catch the passes because on less touches, they're more likely to give me more points by catching passes. And if there's a clear line of delineation as to who the pass catching back is and who isn't, it's a major advantage for that other guy, even if he gets less touches. Because he's likely to be more productive from a fantasy perspective, even with the less touches. All right, I mentioned by the way. Um, so there you go. I mean that that's it. I, I will tell you this: um, if you are in a two quarterback league, I would be, I would want to make sure that I'd have at least one of the top eight quarterbacks by the end of the second round. Mahomes, Hurts, Allen, Burrow, Herbert, Jackson, Fields, Lawrence. I don't love Justin Fields as an NFL quarterback, but he's going to give you the rushing yards. I'd probably have him up there. That, to me, is a clear line of delineation after the eight spot, whatever order you want to put him in. I think, I think the next group, you know, Deshaun Watson, could end up in that top group, but we don't know. Uh, he hasn't done anything for two years. Um, but you, you – I. If you're in again, if you're in a, a two quarterback league, a super flex league, you want to get one of those top eight. I think that's imperative. All right, that's my fantasy preview for today. We'll do some more fantasy stuff next week, leading up into the first week of the season. More specifics on some sleepers I like, but I'll leave you with that and those rules for now. Now I did mention T.J. Hawkinson. Uh, he has reset the t- the uh, tight end market. Yesterday, he agreed, according to Adam Schefter. To a four-year, sixty-six million dollar deal with forty-two and a half million guaranteed, the average annual value of the deal is seventeen point one two five million, which makes him the highest-paid tight end I believe ever. It's amazing now that Travis Kelsey's average annual salary is, I think, fifth amongst tight ends, and you don't hear him complaining at all. Uh, you know, quite interesting. I mean, he he may at th- at some point here get a. Uh, like a one-year after his contract's up, like a one-year $25 million deal. The guy is so good. I think he's the best tight end in the history of football. Um, But uh, he has reset the market now. David Njoku signed for a decent amount of money than Cole Komet, but this guy's a lot better. Uh, so very interesting uh, to see what some of the, you know, the Mark Andrews' next contract and certainly uh, what Travis Kelsey's next contract is, even though he's getting old. Another thing from football, college football, breaking news this morning, the ACC is going to add Stanford, Cal, and SMU to the conference next year. I mean, we're basically down to three conferences in college football that matter. That's it, right? It's the ACC, it's the Big Ten, it's the SEC, that's it. The Big 12 and the Pac-12 don't have much. It's three super conferences now. Honestly, if I were those conferences, I would just break off from the rest of the league, rest of Division I college football. We'll see if that eventually happens. One last thing for baseball. Uh, the Ohio teams were both very busy with waiver claims yesterday. I think a surprise certainly from the Guardians. Guardians claimed Lucas Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez, and Matt Moore all off of the Angels. Now, the Guardians are, are not a good baseball team. Um they enter action at 64 and 70, but they're only five games out of first in the American League Central after winning the last two games against the Twins. So they're five games out. It's not over. They're not good, but the Twins aren't that good either. Now, I don't think these three guys they've acquired are huge difference makers, but Matt Moore and Reynaldo Lopez in the bullpen are two pretty good pitchers. Um Giolito was good with the White Sox. He was terrible on the Angels. If he could pull it together, I mean, it's it's still possible the Guardians could win that division. There's like an 82-win team. I still think the Twins will hold on, but uh, good for the Guardians, usually a, a team that's very cheap, spending about $3 million to pick up all these guys on waivers. Reds also were aggressive, trying to battle it, you know, stay in that wild card race in the NL Central race. They claimed Hunter Renfro, outfielder off waivers from the Angels, and Harrison Bader from the Yankees. Neither player's great, but you know better than what they. Some of the guys they had out there. So, kudos to to those two teams making the waiver claims. Uh, also, uh, there was one other. The Mariners got. Um... Oh shoot! It's that doesn't matter. It's it's not that significant. They they claimed a relief pitcher off waivers. The name's escaping me right now, but it's not a big name. Anyway, the Angels got rid of five five players of the six players they waived. A little surprised nobody claimed Mike Clevenger. I wonder if it has something to do with the the off-the-field stuff. He's pitched very well here down the stretch for the White Sox, but uh, nobody was interested. So there you go. All right, that's going to do it for me today. Everybody have a great weekend. Last weekend without the NFL. Can't wait. Uh, Thanks to Brian Monzo, as always, for producing. Thanks to all of you for listening and watching. I'll talk to you next time. Where else? But right here in the bullpen with me, Adam the Bull, if I can spit that out. Brought to you by River Thanks for listening to the Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the BetRivers Network.